Imagine a society where you live under the oppression of some organization controlled by a tiny group of privileged elites. It may be a despotic government, a religious organization, or an all-powerful global corporation. This organization controls every aspect of your life. You are told what to think and how to act through propaganda and brainwashing. Individual thoughts and actions in contradiction to what is permitted are not tolerated and are severely punished if discovered by authorities. You live in constant fear of stepping out of line where every coworker, neighbor, or even beloved family member may be an informer. Your life is one burdened by extreme poverty where you're given barely enough resources to survive. But you must be ever ready to give your all, including your very life, to the powers that be. And perhaps worst of all, imagine that there is absolutely no hope of change. This is but one of many visions of a dystopian society. This was all circulating around the base that a giant had been killed, but no one was supposed to talk about it. I saw three long bony fingers reach up underneath the door, curl up to grab it, and then disappear. When he came over to me, dude, he slithered over to me. And this giant comes out of the cave and they're all frozen. And he starts running and firing at this giant. Well, the giant moves, he's got a spear in one hand and he's running really fast and spears Dan holds him up like this. Somebody yells, shoot him in the face, shoot him in the face. They basically decapitate him. Got closer, got closer, got closer. When he got about 15 yards away from me, I raised that 12 gauge and I blow this head off. I feel something pulling at my leg. And I look over and there are two small gray entities pulling at me. And they're literally, I'm getting pulled off the bed. I reached my hand into this bush and I touched air. Couldn't breathe and I couldn't move because I know I'm seeing a monster. Yep. to the show everybody you're listening to the confessionals i am your host tony merkel thank you for being here if you've had an encounter or a story you'd like to share with me on the show go ahead and shoot me an email my email address is the confessionals at the confessionals podcast.com that's the confessionals at the confessionals podcast.com or go to the website the confessionals podcast.com hit the contact section and you can reach me that way as well Either way works for me, just get a hold of me. If you want more of The Confessionals on a weekly basis, we offer memberships on the website. You get an extra show every week. You get access to all the previous shows and all the future shows. So if that interests you, 
Go to theconfessionalspodcast.com, hit the join button, and become a member today. Now, we got a different show planned for you guys today. Some things happened this week that, well, trigger warning, it triggered me. And so we are going to go in a different direction today. We're going to be talking about conspiracies with current events. Some things popped off this week that made me really question some stuff that I wanted to share with everybody today. And then we're going to be talking to Chad Catrone, who has a YouTube channel where he and his family live off grid, and he's going to give us some pointers on what we should do in case we find ourselves in the process of going towards a dystopian society where we have to fend for ourselves, find our own food, what do we do? So let's get to it right now. this program with a special bulletin. America is now under martial law. All constitutional rights have been suspended. Stay in your homes. Do not attempt to contact loved ones, insurance agents, or attorneys. Shut up. Do not attempt to think or depression may occur. Stay in your homes. Curfew is at 7 p.m. sharp after work. Anyone caught outside the gates of their subdivision sectors after curfew will be shot. Remain calm. Do not panic. Your neighborhood watch officer will be by to collect urine samples in the morning. Anyone caught interfering with the collection of urine samples will be shot. Stay in your homes. Remain calm. The number one enemy of progress is question. National security is more important than individual will. All sports broadcasts will proceed as normal. No more than two people may gather anywhere without permission. Use only the drugs prescribed by your boss or supervisor. Shut up. Be happy. Obey all orders without question. The comfort you demand is now mandatory. Be happy. At last, everything is done for you. All right, so we have some things to talk about, friends. You see, this past week, we were driving around in a truck by ourselves, listening to the radio, finding out what's going on in the world, a lot of crazy stuff. The world's ending. If you haven't noticed, it's 2020, which means the world's ending. So one of the things that I heard that really kind of caught me off guard was the fact that George Floyd's lawyer, the family lawyer, is actually appealing to the U.N., to intervene in this situation and also give recommendation for police reformation. Now, that caught me off guard because I was thinking to myself, what the heck does the UN have to say about this? It's none of their business. They don't have any pull here. And then I stopped and I wanted to check myself. I was like, you know what, Tone, you're kind of, you don't know. So look into it. So I did. I looked into it and I just started Googling random terms, trying to figure out, is there anything to this? Like, can the UN actually come in and say, U.S., this, that, and the other, we're taking over or whatever. Well, in 2016, the United States went into an agreement with the United Nations. And the United Nations, according to this agreement, is allowed to use force through their peacekeeping troops on citizens. Now, this agreement is actually joined by 28 other countries. And the overall surface level of the understanding for the public is that these 29 countries are going to go into other countries that the citizens are being treated unfairly to protect them from their big bad government. That's what's kind of portrayed to the public. 
But it doesn't exclude one of the 29 nations that is in this agreement. So this agreement is very interesting. There's a lot of different stuff to it. It's called the protection of civilians. Now, this is what I think it is, because every article I found was not linking to the actual source. I found different mainstream articles talking about this, but nobody was actually linking to the source. And I think it's because they were trying to hide the truth of the situation. But I went to peacekeeping.un.org and I found an article talking about protection of civilians mandate. That's what it's called, protection of civilians mandate, also known as POC. And it says the protection of civilians is a responsibility which includes all parts of a peacekeeping mission, civilian, military, and police functions. In many cases, peacekeeping missions are authorized to use all necessary means up to and including the use of deadly force. Very interesting. Now, there's a lot of ways you can spin this. You can say that this means for this, that, and the other. But when you read these things with an open mind and you really try to just say what if kind of thing, you see very clearly that this doesn't exclude any of the 29 nations involved. In fact, let me read you another article here. It's very short. The United States has announced, this is from MilitaryTimes.com. The United States has announced a support for a set of principles that give a green light for UN peacekeeping troops and police to use force to protect civilians in armed conflicts. This is not excluding any of the 29. I keep saying it, but I want people to understand this does not exclude any of the 29 countries that are in this agreement. U.S. Ambassador Samantha Power told a high-level UN meeting Wednesday focusing on the responsibility to protect civilians that the United States was proud and humbled to join 28 other countries that have pledged to abide by the 18 pledges. Once again, I can't find these 18 pledges anywhere outside of what I told you already on peacekeepingun.org. Now, what's interesting is this. Again, when you read things with a very open mind and you just try to consume the information and every possible angle that's involved, you kind of start coming to some conclusions that they're not trying to spin to you on the mainstream media. However, something else happened in 2016. So we have the United States and the UN coming into agreement with 28 other countries saying we're going to defend civilians against their tyrannical governments and we're going to do it even if it means by deadly force. Two months later, there's an executive order signed on July 1st. The executive order itself is titled United States Policy on Pre- and Post-Strike Measures to Address Civilian Casualties in U.S. Operations Involving Use of Force. Now, again, just like the other situation, they give you an idea of things on the surface, but they don't give you enough information to dig with unless you're going to do it yourself. They're not going to tell you everything on the surface. They're just going to give you the bite-sized pieces that they want you to know about. But what I'm seeing here is in May of 2016, the United States enters into an agreement with the UN and 28 other countries saying that they are going to band together to stop civilian casualties from tyrannical governments. Not excluding themselves, though. And then two months later, according to many different sources that I've read about, an executive order is signed that allows for the U.S. military to use force against 
American citizens for the first time in history. Now, that is something that I saw repeated on a lot of different articles. Of course, it wasn't reported on the mainstream media. So take it for what it is. We could scrap. We could scrap that executive order right now. We don't even need to focus on it. Let's focus on the very first thing. In May, the UN and United States and 28 other countries banded together to be the big, bad, tough police officers of the world, not excluding themselves. Now, fast forward to 2020, civil unrest. Welcome to 2020. It's a dumpster fire. We got COVID-19. We got the pandemic, the pandemic, everything in between. Everybody thinks it's fake. It's real. Everybody's arguing. The world is flipped upside down. We are living in stranger things, my friends. And then we have something we've never heard before in all the times that we've seen riots, protests, talking about police brutality, Black Lives Matter. We have never seen this come up before but we have seen it now. Across the nation, cities and states are calling for the dismantlement of their police departments. We've never seen this before, but we're seeing it now. And at the same time, the very week that this is a hot topic and everybody's talking about taking down the police, getting rid of the police, we see that the lawyer for the family of George Floyd appeals to the UN and asks them to intervene in the situation and recommend police reformation. What do you think they're going to say? The UN knows what they're allowed to do. The UN knows all these agreements. They know. So what do you think they're going to say? You think they're going to say, no, no, I think that you should definitely keep your police departments. Just, you know, tutor the police a little bit. Tell them that they got to stop being bad guys. Tell them that, you know, black people, they're just as good as white people. That'll be fine. They'll be good. No. We're talking about New World Order, friends. Since the early 1990s, we've been hearing our presidents talk about the New World Order. But now it's changed. They're not calling it the New World Order. We had COVID-19 pop up, and what we call it? The new normal. We got to get back to the new normal. I hate that statement because you can't get back to something that we have never been to before. If it's new, we're not getting back to it. We're getting to it. But that's not it, my friends. There's somebody else, a bigger player, not just your local governments calling this a new normal. No, no. The World Economic Forum is now calling the new normal the Great Reset. That's right. The World Economic Forum is calling this whole era that we're finding ourselves in, the upside down, the stranger things, the weird world we're living in, the craziness that's going on right now, they're calling it the Great Reset. That, my friends, is the 2020 version of the New World Order. They are ushering in right in front of you, and you can't even see it because they got everybody divided. They got everybody worked up emotionally. They can't see it because they can't see past the fog of division that's right in front of their faces. So here's my prediction. I believe that if this is really happening, I think that the UN is going to start ushering themselves into our situation. Now, remember... I said 2016, those things happen, right? But something else happened in 2016 that we talk about in the conspiracy community and everybody said, you're crazy. You're conspiracy theorists. Shut up. Shut up. What was it? We had countless videos all over the country of trains and even convoys driving down the road of what? UN vehicles. That was in 2016, my friends. In 2016, when all this stuff happened, when we entered into this agreement, 
We had UN vehicles driving down our streets and being ushered into our country, into UN territories inside our country on train. UN territories inside our country? That's crazy. We would never let that happen, right? Wrong. Wrong. I got two things for you guys. One is unconfirmed. One is definitely confirmed. Which one do you want? I'll give you the confirmed one first. In 2019, just last year, in August of 2019. Now, what happened in August of 2019? Anybody who is a conspiracy theorist, who pays attention to things, you know exactly where I'm going with this, at least partly. In August of 2019, what happened? Epstein didn't kill himself. On August 10th, 2019, supposedly Epstein killed himself in the jail cell and the whole world became conspiracy theorists. Not one person believed that Jeffrey Epstein killed himself. Not one. And then he just disappeared. Why? Because two days later, two days later, after Jeffrey Epstein killed or didn't kill himself, we entered into a whole new era of President Trump's presidency. Eric Carmella. I shouldn't say his name. The whistleblower got an impeachment rolling by filing a complaint against Trump. That was two days after Epstein didn't kill himself. So we erased Epstein. The whole Epstein scenario, we erased it with a bigger thing. We got the impeachment rolling, baby, two days after Epstein didn't kill himself. Two days after. But that's not it, my friends. Something else happened in August that you didn't hear about because nobody's talking about mainstream media because Epstein didn't kill himself and Donald Trump's being impeached. So this got washed under the table. Something so serious that we're facing it right now in 2020. On August 26th, 27th, and 28th, three days, the UN made Salt Palace in Salt Lake, Utah, a compound of international territory. I told you, you said, no, 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 we wouldn't have them have their own territory in our country where they could store their vehicles. Wrong. They openly made a taxpayer funded place, Salt Palace, a compound of international territory on August 26th, 27th and 28th of 2019. That was a busy month. Now, if you don't believe me, listen to the audio. This is going to be a security officer at the compound that she calls a compound telling an American citizen that she's not allowed to film in there because this is a U.N. compound of international territory. Take a listen. Is it okay you turn off the camera and then it's Oh, turn off the camera? Yeah. Do I not have a right to have the camera? I'm not giving you permission to check my fist, so... Okay, are you a public servant? I'm a United Nations security officer. Okay. Does, okay. okay this is my city, and so I have a right to film. This is United Nations compound? And I, United, United Nations. Nations compound? Yes. This is a compound? Yeah. Since Sunday evening, we took over the, this compound. This is international territory. When you step outside, it's U.S. Here is international territory. This is U.N. compound. All right, so there you have it. You heard the security guard say that this is a compound. It's international territory. Let me give you some highlights from that short clip. The UN says they took over the building. The UN stated that the taxpayer-funded Salt Palace was now international territory where U.S. rights don't apply. The UN stated that the United States was outside the doors of Salt Palace. And finally, the UN, who at best should have been a guest of Salt Lake, 
instead acted like an invader and denied a U.S. citizen their First Amendment right. That happened last year in 2019, in August, August 26th, 27th, and 28th in the United States last year. Do I got to say it anymore? Last year that happened. And nobody said anything about it. Not one person. You didn't hear Donald Trump go on Twitter and say anything about it. You didn't hear Nancy Pelosi get on TV and say anything about it. No. Why? Because they were too busy throwing rocks at each other over a stupid impeachment and Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself. You missed out on one of the biggest pieces of news of last year. You missed out on it. Nobody covered it. It wasn't important enough. Well, what do you think now? Is it important now? We have a history of the UN setting up territories in the United States as compounds, taxpayer-funded buildings. So I told you that I was going to give you the good stuff up front, and then I was going to give you the questionable stuff on the back end. I'm going to give you the questionable stuff now on the back end because this is something that was reported unconfirmed, but it was reported that this possibly could have happened in 1951. 1951. Dang, that long ago? Yes, check it out. We have a situation where this might not have been the very first time the UN invaded our country, the United States. You see, in 1951, there's a reported case by broadcaster Myron C. Fagan. Now, Myron C. Fagan is labeled a conspiracy theorist, and that's why I say this is questionable, because maybe Myron made this up, or maybe Myron read the tea leaves wrong. But In the 1960s, early 1960s, broadcaster Myron C. Fagan documented a possible UN invasion on multiple towns across the United States of America that happened possibly, supposedly, in 1951. He writes, the UN invasions were intended to be completely hush-hush. The mass media were very accommodating, and the local newspapers and radio stations in the invaded cities were kept silent under the order of the UN. However, in several of the cities, the local police refused to be captured. That caused quite an uproar. True, only locally, but it threatened to spread nationwide especially after troops and officers assigned to additional invasion units refused to serve. The alarm plotters hastily halted all further invasions. Now, if that's true, if that's true, the movie Red Dawn was based after this conspiracy theory. Remember, this was written in the early 1960s based off of 1951. Now, I know I said it before. I'll say it again. Myron C. Fagan was a broadcaster that was supposedly a conspiracy theorist, which means that I trust the guy because we're cut from the same cloth. However, the world looks down on people like us. But let's look at history, friends. There is something that happened in the early 1990s. Let's get a little bit more specific. In June of 1991, in Germany, there was this meeting called the Bilderberger. You ever hear of them? The Bilderberger meeting, the Bilderbergers, building burgers, burger, burger, burger. These guys are losers, my friends. They're freaking losers. They're loser psychopaths that say insane things. I can pull quote after quote after quote after quote from years of these meetings of insane, crazy, dystopian things that they're trying to pull 
worldwide and everybody puts their fingers in the ears and goes, nah, 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 nah. They don't want to hear it. They don't want to believe that the things that they're putting in the movies are actually happening around them because the things that are put in the movies are actually the plans being pre-programmed in us. Now, we have a quote here from David Rockefeller and it says, We are grateful to the Washington Post, the New York Times, Time Magazine, and other great publications whose directors have attended our meetings and respected their promise of discretion for almost 40 years. Key phrase, almost 40 years. It would have been impossible for us to develop our plan for the world if we had been subject to the lights of publicity during those years. But the world is now more sophisticated and prepared to march toward a world government. The supranational sovereignty of an intellectual elite and world bankers is surely preferable to the national auto-determination practice in past centuries. David Rockefeller. He says that he thanks the Washington Post, New York Times, Times Magazine, and other great publications for their discretion for their discretion for almost 40 years or else what they had planned to develop would have been impossible. He said that in the 1990s, 1991, I was six years old. I'm going to be 35 in October. Listen, I'm telling you guys, this is a plan that has been put in place for a long time. So we take this quote, And then we go back to Myron C. Fagan and what he reported in the early 1960s. And he says in here, the mass media were very accommodating and the local newspapers and radio stations in the invaded cities. He said that in the 1960s. He said exactly in the 1960s what David Rockefeller thanked the media for in 1991. That's crazy. What's even more crazy is this. He said 40 years. 1991 minus 40 is 1951. When this supposed UN takeover in small towns across the country supposedly happened. I would have heard about it, Tone. I know. I know. I said the same thing. I would have heard about it until I started thinking about stuff. And I was like, well, I don't trust the mainstream media at all, ever, I had this quote from David Rockefeller from 1991 saying that the media was on his side to advance the world government agenda for 40 years. I'm doing the math. I'm like, dang, dang, Fagan said this in the early 60s, 30 years before Rockefeller ever said that. I don't know. Maybe it's right. Maybe it's wrong. I don't know. But it's interesting, isn't it? It's absolutely interesting. It's absolutely interesting. So let's recap what we just talked about for the last 26 minutes. The UN and the United States in 2016 entered into agreement with 28 other countries underneath the blanket statement that they're going to protect citizens of the world from the tyrannical governments. That's essentially what they did. They didn't exclude themselves, though, from that. We have the executive order signed on July 1st of 2016. And like I said, we can scrap that. Let's not even try reading into it. Let's just let it go. Win for them, right? Let's just let it go. Win for them. You fast forward to what? 
2019. In August of 2019, we have a situation where we had three huge things happen in one month. We have Epstein didn't kill himself on August 10th. Then two days later, on August 12th, we have a whistleblower blowing a whistle to impeach Donald Trump for bad, bad things that happened with the Ukraine. The world was crazy in August of 2019. Between Epstein didn't kill himself and Donald Trump being impeached, the thing was off the hook. And something flew under the radar in August of 2019, three days, the UN made Salt Palace in Salt Lake, Utah, a compound of international territory, August 26th, August 27th, and August 28th. So we have a history, a real documented history of the UN invading the United States and setting up camp. We talked about the conspiracy that Myron C. Fagan talked about. Whether it's true or not, it's interesting. And there are things that we know are true that point back to that possibly really being true. Fast forward to 2020 current times. Oh, there's more. Look at this. They just keep coming. Go, go inside! Get inside! Get inside! Get inside! Get your house down! Let's go! Light him up! Go inside now! Get, inside. Get in the house! <laughs> Get in the It's a dumpster fire. The world has gone upside down. We're living in Stranger Things. We're in the upside down. The world has gone crazy. What's right is wrong. What's up is down. Everything's bananas. Everything. And in the middle of this chaos, we see something pop up that we've never seen before. In all the times that we've had riots, protests, police brutality, Black Lives Matter marches, all those times, we never had anybody nationwide, let alone, calling for the dismantlement of the police departments. That happened this week. It actually happened. And then in the same week, we have the lawyer, Benjamin Crump, Ben Crump, the lawyer for the family of George Floyd, reaching out to the UN, appealing to them, asking them to intervene in the situation and recommend police reformation. You think that's a coincidence? Do you think that's a coincidence? And what do you think the UN is going to do? Knowing the history I laid out to you, what do you think? What are the odds of them just saying, guys, you're good, actually. Everybody needs to calm down. The police, are they're, they're mostly good guys, okay? We're going to put them through counseling. They're going to come out better people, and everything's going to be great. <laughs> you think they're going to do that? No. Nah. Knowing what we know, knowing what they're allowed to do underneath these agreements, what are they going to do? They're going to say, you're absolutely right. The police need to be dismantled because they're corrupt. And you need a neutral force, somebody who doesn't have skin in the game, that just wants the purity of the situation. We want the peace of the government and the people coinciding together. We want harmony. We want to take it back to the 1960s, and we want to all be peace, love, and family, fam. We want to be hippies. Yeah, that's what the UN's going to say. Or they're going to say, yeah, you guys should dismantle it. We'll come in, neutral force, everything will be good. We'll bring our peacekeeping troops, boys. Peacekeeping troops, boys. Bring them on in. Let's go. And I know 
There's a lot of people out there like hell, like hell. Not on my watch. I'm a fight. And you know what? I'll fight too. However, you have to understand you're not just fighting against the peacekeeping troops. So misleading. What are you fighting against? You're fighting against the UN peacekeeping troops and 28 other countries. 28 other countries. And I don't even think that this is a U.S. problem as much as it is a global problem. Look what's going on around the world. Everybody's going bananas. Riots everywhere. Look at London. I think what we're going to have happen is we're going to have some governments actually lie down and accept their fate. Some governments lie down because it was preordained. And then the governments that are ready to fight or the people that are ready to fight, they're outnumbered. I think that this is the plan for the new world order. I think this is the plan for the new normal. I think this is the plan for the great reset. That's what I think. And it's not even there, friends. Something else happened. Remember what happened in Seattle this past week? They've given us the precinct. That's what was said. This is the title of the article. They've given us the precinct. Seattle police backs away and protesters take back Pine. They took back a six-block area. They occupied it. They said it wasn't even the United States. This is bizarro world. And here's something for you. I don't even know if this was Seattle or somewhere else, but there's a picture floating around of one of these protesters waving a UN flag at a protest. Listen, friends, we're all being set up. We're all being played. We're all being played. There are riots happening because they're being seated because you know what happens Here's what happens. You have massive amounts of people who are very emotional about the injustices that happened to them for decades. Before they were even born, these things were happening and nothing changed. You have all these people who are emotional about something that's very real to them. And then you have some idiot, some people who are paid off going and seating and inciting riots. You guys saw the umbrella, man. Look it up on YouTube if it's on there still. I don't know. There's a guy knocking out windows in full gear trying to remain discreet. They're seeding riots. There's another video of a guy paying young black men, a white guy paying young black men to go start riots. It's on video. They were caught. Somebody has been seeding this. We see the bricks laying on streets out of nowhere. All across the country, these bricks have been popping up everywhere. You're being set up. We're being set up. We're being played for a bigger agenda. I'm not saying the killing of George Floyd was because of this agenda. I'm not saying even COVID-19 was because of this agenda. What I'm saying is the elites that run this world, that engineered the culture and society around you, they use any opportunity they can to advance their agenda. And right now, they're hitting the gold mine. We need to wake up. I believe the UN is gearing for something serious. And we can't be played. And we can't be caught off guard. Because what they want is they want a dystopian society. That's where this is going. That's what they want. And I'll tell you, friends, once you're in the dystopian society, game over, it's over. You lost. It's done. The process to the dystopian society is where you fight back against it. That's the process of these things. And so in that process, the world is going to change. Society is going to change around you. In that process, you're going to find that you need to fend for yourself. In that process, you're going to see supply chains break down because it's supposed to. And in those times, are you going to be ready? 
Are you going to be ready to take care of yourself and your family? Listen, if you're still with me right now, I'm not fear-mongering you. I am not trying to scare you. I'm trying to wake you up. This is how I am. You hear the cool, calm, and collect Tony on a weekly basis, but when I get emotional about stuff, I go in on it. This is one of those times. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm trying to wake you up. I'm trying to show you different perspectives to consider so that you don't get caught off guard if this happens. I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm just a crazy conspiracy theorist that's totally wrong and totally bananas. But what if I'm right? You want to be prepared now. So we're going to bring on Chad Catrone, who has a YouTube channel called North Country Off Grid, and he and his family live off grid. That's what they do. And he's going to come on and tell us what we can do to start preparing now for a possible process into a dystopian society. What does that look like? What can we do, whether you're living in a city, whether you're living in the suburbs, or if you're living in the rural areas? Each area has a benefit, and each area has the downside as well. We're going to get into it with Chad right now. Oh, and... He might have seen Bigfoot out there, too. So we're going to talk to him about that, too. So let's bring on Chad right now. At what point, then, is the approach of danger to be expected? I answer, if it ever reaches us, it must spring up among us. It cannot come from abroad. If destruction be our lot, we must ourselves be its author and finisher. As a nation of free men, we must live through all time or die by suicide. Abraham Lincoln, January 27th, 1838. today we got chad on the show chad how you doing man what's up man doing good had an interesting day today my cow got out <laughs> oh man tell me about the story man tell me about it did i just like we take sundays off right we, we try to keep that the family day and uh shelby's just like um our cow is out and it was just walking down the driveway getting ready to go into the neighbor's uh property and we luckily were able to bait her back in but yeah she jumped out for the first time uh, you know, like a year now, <laughs> she just decided to go for a walk. Tell me about that. So you, you, you have a cow that gets loose. See people who aren't used to being around cows and stuff are like, well, just walk over and get it because we think cows are just slow. But from what you just said, it sounds like cows are pretty fast. So my cow is a docile breed. We raise Scottish Highlands. So they're a smaller, more docile breed. When you, uh, you know, when you have like normal cows, beef cows, sometimes they're a pain when they get out, they can, I mean, they can be out and stay out for quite a while. Luckily my cows like our little buddy. So I was able to get some just beets that we had in a bucket and just lure her back in. But I had to feed her some, or uh, radishes. They were radishes that we had, they were getting ready to can. So I just fed her a few and trickled her way back in. That's the life that you live, man. That's the life that you live. Uh, you weren't always as a guy who were, was living off grid. So let's talk to the audience. First of all, let me introduce you properly because I'm just talking to you as if I'm talking on the phone again. Um, Chad, you're Chad Catrone from North Country Off Grid YouTube channel. Uh, formerly, I want to congratulate you. You just recently broke 100,000 subscribers on YouTube. So golf clap, everybody. Congratulations, Chad. Golf clap. 
Dorf Clan. <laughs> yeah, golf clap indeed. Yeah, that's exciting. It's a pretty cool milestone. If if you guys don't know, as soon as you hit a hundred thousand, uh, YouTube sends you this little silver plaque. It's just kind of the, the first thing they actually do to acknowledge that you're a real human being. So it's pretty cool. <laughs> Yeah, they're like, okay, so to get 100,000, at least you prove that you're a human being and you're not just a bot. So uh, to get to 500,000, I guess you got to be, you know, jumping through more hoops and stuff. But uh, listen, I think that your channel is a channel that could get there. Uh, you and I have been talking for about three months, I'd say. And when I first started talking to you, your channel was at about 60,000 subscribers. So you've grown in about three months, 40,000 subscribers, man, you're exploding. That's awesome. Do you have any, re do you have any secret remedy as to uh, why that is? No, and, and and honestly, there's so much of YouTube makes me feel like it's my first day again. Like I, I don't have a recipe for what is successful. I don't like I'll look at videos that I put together and like I really put my heart into and I'm like, oh, yeah, this one's going to do good. And then it doesn't do good. And then I'll like throw uh, like I just had a live stream of us out on Coeur d'Alene walking around and it was shaky. It was glitchy. Uh, it was dark. Right. And I'm just like, oh, it's probably going to look you know horrible. Uh, it, it tipped over, it's at about 630,000 views right now in about a week's time. No clue how that happens. Yeah. I'm actually looking at it right now. It's the one that you're titled uh, Idaho welcome party, right? Yeah, man. It just, it blew up, yeah. you know, and it, it's horrible. If, if you watch it, you wouldn't think people would even share it. You know, it's just kind of <laughs> like, uh, I mean, it's showing something cool, but the quality is just garbage. Well, man, listen, you're doing something right, and I congratulate you on it, man. Uh, I don't mess a whole lot with YouTube, but uh, seeing your success is uh, actually encouraging to see. So, because so many people are held down by YouTube and you know Google and stuff, and you and I were just talking about that a little bit on how they do stuff. But, uh, man, listen. I'm bringing you on today because you're somebody who lives off grid and you might have some insight as to the topic today. So let me just give you a fill in as to what I just got done ranting about. Um, so I feel that we're in a transition period in this country. I know you and I talked about this a little bit uh, the other day. And uh, I feel, and this is the conspiracy side of me. I know I don't think you're as much of a conspiracy theorist as I am, but uh, I believe that we are in a transition period and we could go one of two ways. And I think that there are elites in this world trying to push the entire world, but specifically the United States over the edge and into the new world order, which the World Economic Forum is calling the Great Reset. And so uh, it got me thinking about dystopian societies and once you get to dystopian society, your fate's pretty much sealed at that point. You're already in the system. It, 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 it's just, it is what it is. There's no real escaping it. But the path of getting to a dystopian society is what I believe we're on right now. And it, and if we're on that path, it's only going to get worse over time. And as things get worse, I think people are going to need to know how to take care of themselves and start preparing now for the future of maybe a supply chain being cut off and things like that. Um, I, I didn't mention this on the show earlier, and I didn't even tell you we were going to talk about it. I just thought of it now. I have a partnership that I haven't advertised. I've, I've had this partnership for about three or four months. I haven't advertised it at all on my show yet, but we'll start it today. Uh I have a partnership with um, my Patriot Supply, and if people were to go to prepare with the confessionals 
Com, preparewiththeconfessionals.com. They get great deals as far as uh, preparedness goes. And the reason why I hadn't talked about it is because I actually dropped it on uh, my social media one time. And when I did that, people were calling me a shill and a sellout and all that stuff. And I'm like, I'm trying to do something nice for people and I'm being called all these names. So I figured, you know what? I'm not going to share it then. If you guys don't appreciate my kindness, then I'm not going to share it. But there's a lot of people that actually wanted that information and stuff. And I kind of felt bad for not talking about it. So uh, here I am on talking about it. Prepare with theconfessionals.com. And you can actually get a bunch of uh, food preparedness uh, coming in a five gallon bucket. And uh, right now we're sold out of the two week food supply, but there is a four week soup food supply still available with $100 knocked off of it uh, right away. So um, that's what I can offer people, but I don't have the intel like you do as somebody who actually lives off grid. So um, let's start off with people who are in a similar environment as you when it comes to the idea of living in more of a rural community, but they're not really doing anything to prepare for a future where they have to take care of themselves. With people who are have land and things like that, what would you suggest them to do as far as preparing for the possibility of a um, a cutoff on the supply chain, man. So I, I think you know first first we got to talk about what's going on, like what we're seeing, right? Because that that's that's kind of your uh, your glimpse into how you need to prepare. So it's kind of that climate of what we're seeing, and and right now, like you were saying, we're at such a pivotal moment. You know, we're, we're actually seeing, uh, you know, people uh, in uh, taking over. American soil, calling it sovereign soil, right? So, so it kind of creates this dynamic of you got to understand what you're prepping for. So, imagine, imagine being one of those people who are stuck in this this zone. You didn't want to be there a week ago. Your life was totally normal, and overnight, you now are in sovereign uh, occupied territory, right? How do you prepare for that? I mean, how, how imagine that mindset, you know, and a lot of people don't prepare because they won't even fathom that that's even a reality to take place. You know, most people who prepare, they prepare because they understand how fragile the system is. So someone like myself who has land, you know, your, your preparing is going to be livestock, you know, gardening, uh, you know, getting ready to can and jar and put up food, that kind of thing. For people who are like yourself, you know, so you're you're more in like a you're you're not in a city like a big city, right? You're more in like a suburb kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, Philadelphia is about forty minutes from me. I live in the suburbs outside of Philly. Okay, so I mean, you're yeah, so you're talking about so here you are, you know, you're you're maybe not a direct threat to you know, the violence we're seeing directly in the city. So you've got yourself a different window. You're going to prep differently than someone who is then inside the city. You know, someone who, you know, I don't know if they're allowing people to leave that territory, the occupied territory. I don't know. You know, we've heard rumors of them being, you know, shopkeeps being extorted over there. Uh, you know, a rumor of like a warlord being like he instilled himself. But that's, that's mainstream media telling us all this stuff. So we don't necessarily know really what is going on over there. Right. But as, as far as, you know, someone like yourself, 
you really gotta, you really gotta game plan. You gotta, you know, you gotta go to the war room in your head and you gotta say, you know, what, what happens here? What happens this? Like for you, what happens if your, you know, business is done, whatever you do for work, what, what happens if you no longer can go to work? Right. What does that mean for your family? And then you have to go down the road. Okay. That means no money coming in, which means what? Well, that means that we're not going to buy food in a while and we might not be able to pay our mortgage and we might not be able to keep the lights on, you know, possibly the water. Right. So those are your, those are your, uh, your points where you're, you're weak at. Those are your weak points. So you got to figure out how to buffer those weak points. Right. And that comes with, you know, saving money. Uh, and in a lot of preppers cases, that means gold and silver, uh, not fiat currency because gold and silver, you know, should always hold its value. Historically, it's always held its value. Um, water, right? Most people don't even think to put away water because you just, you flip a switch and it's always there, but people, people got to get in the habit of storing water. Like if you have a garage, you know, it's not hard for you to put, uh, you know, one of those vertical 250, 300 gallon storm water tank, uh, in your garage and then be able to store 300 gallons of water that no one really knows about. That's a good idea. And, and with that, and then food, man, you know, like I, how long were you, how long were you laid off for? I was out of work for seven weeks. So seven weeks. I'm, I mean, I don't want to dig into your personal life. I, I don't know. I, I heard from a lot of people. They've still have not even gotten their uh, unemployment money. Yeah. My sister's one of those. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Some of these people haven't even seen their first check yet. Uh, so unemployment money, let's say it's not there. And then let's say, you know, we didn't get the the bonuses for, or, or the, uh, you know, the, the hush money from the government, right? Let's say we didn't get that $1,200 per person. You know, what does that leave you with? And, and most people are paycheck to paycheck. So if you're not putting stuff away, if you're not prepping and thinking ahead, you know, you and your family could have been hurting in that first week. I mean, de depending on when you guys go shopping, how much groceries you need, that kind of thing. So it's, you got to change the mindset. And you gotta you gotta prepare for the impossible, which is crazy because we're seeing the impossible all over the place. You know, we're in the middle of history, seeing this stuff take place. But um, putting putting away food is the biggest thing. It's just stack it as high and wide as you can. You know, we we talked about stacking beans and rice in your living room if need be. We, what else do we talk about? We talked about putting livestock inside your garage potentially. Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean. I think that when we're in a situation where we're seeing fallout, whether it's, you know, from a nuclear disaster to economic fallout to societal fallout and unrest like we're seeing right now, I think it's important that, like you said, you really have to dig deep in your bag of tricks and figure out how to survive and put yourself in a situation that you could be in, though you're not in it now. And how would you go about that? And uh, using, if you have a garage, using your garage as a, a place to um, stock up on food, to have the water storage, to to even have animals inside, uh, that that's a great idea to me. If you can pull it off, I listen. Uh, I had done a delivery this past week to uh, Tractor Supply, and I was talking to the guy in there, and they sell chicks out of there. They had to stop selling chicks because when this whole thing happened with the pandemic, they had a lot of people coming in and buying chicks to start their own coops, but they had no idea how to handle and take care of these things. And a lot of people were trying to return the chicks. And, he, and so he had, they had a problem where people just, they, they were just panicking. 
and just buying stuff, not knowing how to do any of it, not knowing how to take care of these animals. And so I think that's what you're talking about, what I'm talking about, where it's like, we need to think about these things now. You know, everybody just, if, if they're listening to this right now, it's because they listen to my 35 minutes of a rant. And in that rant, you know, we I talked about a lot of different stuff that may or may not come true. I've said it several times during that rant. Like, I'm more than happy to be wrong on the things that I said in that rant. But if I'm right, what are you going to do about it? How are you going to prepare? Because if I'm right, our world is about to change and you need to make sure you and your family are taken care of. And that's why we're talking about this. So uh, have you had a situation where anybody comes onto your property uh, in need recently at all? Like, I know there's a lot of crazy stuff going on. Does anybody ever wander on your property and uh, give you a hard time at all? No. So we've had people kind of trickle onto the property or or come down the road, uh, but I've never had any blatant trespassers. and And I definitely haven't had anyone coming and looking you know, for help or anything like that. And the, and the reason for that is because the culture up in this area, um, I would say the majority of people up here are probably closet preppers, if not just an outright prepper anyway. And it's kind of just the lifestyle. We live in kind of a harsher climate, you know, getting snowed in happens, power outages happen. Um, th- these are just the kinds of things that we're sort of used to with the day-to-day life. So and with that, and then being an agricultural area, a little more rural, it's starting to grow, but the mindset up in this area is like, be prepared essentially. And so I know that my neighbors, for the most part, as a whole, uh, many of them are preppers. Many of them already have this mindset. A lot of people come to the redoubt to be a part of that because that's what we're known for in this area. So you get people who read the books and that, you know, and, and a lot of the books talk about this area as sort of the Alamo, right? Like it's been predicted for years that this, this area up here in Idaho, Montana, Washington, you know, and it's like Eastern Montana, Western Washington, Idaho, you know, that's the, that's essentially the Alamo. And if you look at the way, you look at the way things are going, uh, it's kind of starting to hold true. But a lot of people flock to here to kind of live that lifestyle. And with that lifestyle is prepping. So uh, luckily, we haven't had to deal with that kind of stuff. That is something that we talk about, think about, game plan for in the future if things do go uh, real south, right? You, you do have to worry about A, people coming and asking for help, or B, people coming and trying to take you know, so in all that seems crazy, right? You're like, what are we talking about? This is a book. This is a, a movie. This, this scenario is crazy. But then you realize where we're at today, you know, and, and, you know, we talked about food shortages months, months ago, and people said I was crazy. Well, we experienced food shortages. We're still experiencing food shortages. Uh, we've got occupied land. You know, we talked about riots and, and chaos in the streets before it was taking place. And people are like, nothing's happening. You're crazy. These are kinds of the things that these are the kinds of things that take place as society sort of takes that collapse, you know, the steps to a collapse. And and right now our economy is very fragile. You know, people are out of work, people are out of food and that creates chaos. And then that chaos boils over. And then all of a sudden a cop kills someone. And that was like the flashpoint needed 
to get all these pissed off people to focus their anger anger in one direction. And I don't know if you're ranting about, uh, you know, all the behind the scenes stuff about how all this stuff is being planned and uh, implemented. Did you talk about all that? Yeah, I'm talking more about the angle that I found this past week with the UN. I think, and I think I talked to you about this earlier this past week, but the UN I think is gearing up for the great setup to what I what I'm calling the invasion of the United States of America, but the world as well. I think that they're gearing up to do this globally at the same time to implement the new world order, and I think that's. I, I don't think, and I, like I said in the rant, I don't think that they started the whole thing off with the George Floyd stuff and the COVID-19 stuff. But I do think that the world elites never let a good crisis go to waste and they're capitalizing on it and they hit the gold mine with all these things happening all in such a short period of time. Definitely, man. And, and honestly, if you if you think about the way politics run too, um, you know, you look at the left and the way they operate, you know, they're, they're winning the war using the method of death by a thousand cuts. You know, they're they're trickling this communism, socialism into politics. They're they're getting these little tiny victories that are starting to amount. And then all of a sudden we're seeing we're seeing a takeover of an area right over in Seattle. And this is a big this is a big boiling point, a flashpoint. And here's why. And it coincides with what you're talking about. It's because. These people occupy territory, right? They come in, they take over this territory. They say it's a sovereign land. We're no longer a part of the U.S., right? And they start to implement essentially a new government on American soil. So fast forward a couple of days, the governor of Washington claims that he doesn't, he, you know, he was asked in a press briefing, like, what are you going to do about this? And he said he's unaware of what is taking place, right? This was two days after the occupation. So day three, he comes out with a statement and his statement is essentially, you know, these people are protesting. We need to respect their right to protest. And then he instantly turns it around to Trump and says, you need to get us our, you know, our crisis aid package or whatever it is, you know, their emergency aid package. You need to be worrying about that and not threatening the American people. So his words are very important. And the reason for that is this. If he can sell to the United Nations that these people who just claim sovereign territory are under threat of the United States government, then that means the United Nations can then act and they can come into our country and, quote unquote, defend these people in Seattle. And essentially, the people in Seattle now have their own army, be it a small one, but they have their own army. Which, which I mean, that pits us for world war, man, because when you attack the United Nations, in this case, I would consider it self-defense because, I, I mean, I just I imagine. I imagine the United Nations presence in this country is not going to go over well, both for the American government as well as the American patriot. So when you attack the U.N., that's not just a group. That, that is a coalition of countries who then get to say, okay, we'll participate in this. So this is definitely setting us up for a world war, which is implementing a one world order if they were to be successful uh, and essentially uh, invade our country. Yeah, you know, you hit the nail on the head with that, man. You really did, because uh, that's where this is going. And, you know, I tell people... 
you know, how I feel about stuff. And I, I'm, I'm a glasses half empty kind of guy with this. I mean, I really don't have a whole lot of hope because we've been talking about this for years. We've been talking about the New World Order for years. We've been talking about the, these elites slowly putting in their plan. And now we're seeing their plan coming to fruition on the surface level. And once you see it on the surface, it's too late to stop at that point. There's not a whole lot you can do once they're actually out in the open doing stuff because they already have their ducks in a row. And uh, being somebody who you know looks into the Bible, the the Bible talks about what it's going to be like towards the end of the world, right? When the, the end times, it talks about that in the Bible, and it's not very favorable. And so I kind of right. just expect these kind of things to happen. And what you just said about the UN, you know, there there's a a mandate from the UN. Uh, this is on peacekeeping.un.org. It's called Protection of Civilians Mandate. And this is something that I'm just going to read to you. I read it in the rant. I just want you to hear it too. Right here in the beginning, the protection of civilians is a responsibility which includes all parts of a peacekeeping mission, civilian, military, and police functions. In many cases, peacekeeping missions are authorized to use all necessary means up to and including the use of deadly force. That's exactly what you were just talking about. And they're saying right here, and I love how they call these the peacekeeping troops, but when they come in, there's no peace whatsoever. That's not the agenda on the line here. That's why they're telling you right away, we're going to use deadly force if we have to. And whose discretion is it going to be as to when they pull the trigger? Theirs. And so uh, there's this, agreement that they had or that the United States and the UN had come to in 2016, where they actually joined with 28 other countries to basically say, yes, we're going to go ahead and we're going to protect the civilians of the world from tyrannical governments and things like that. But the problem is it doesn't those 29 countries aren't protected from or aren't excluded from those countries that could be invaded. And I think that's what we're seeing right now. And what I'm worried about is if the UN decides to come in and do something about something. I don't think it's just the UN coming. I think there's other countries that are going to come as well. And there's countries on that list that I'm sure do not like us and would be happy to come in and assist the UN in quote unquote, correcting the United States. I'm worried about it. Yeah, absolutely. And and you definitely should be. The the UN is just a puppet uh, and definitely a puppet for China. And China is a big player in that. And and likewise, you know, I, I think Trump has improved uh, has improved relations with Russia, but Russia, you know, this could be, this could be America's time. You know, we've been on top for 200 some years. We've been the big nation. We've been the big dog. Uh, this could be our time. You know, a lot of people have always felt like, Oh, America could never fall. You know, that's you not knowing history. Uh, this could start to become our time. You know, if the UN pushes in here and the, you know, the Democrats in this, in this country are, are kind of pushing forward as well as, you know, they're hoping for the overthrow of the government. And there's many people out there hoping for communism, like Russia, like China. Uh, they're looking at these socialist programs, thinking they're a good idea. We've got people inside this country who are trying to usher in this World War III just the same. So, yeah, absolutely. You're going to see and in China and Russia are just the big players. You know, Iran's going to throw their hat oh, in because yeah. once the once the pummeling starts, man, you know that people are going to jump on board to try and put us down. And it's going to be, 
you know, it's going to be an all out war. You know, there's a there's a famous quote, I believe, from a Chinese general that they said that, you know, the America will never be invaded because there is a there's a, a gun behind every blade of grass. And that's one thing that has kept people at bay, be it, you know, whether whether we trade with them or not, you know, keeping your Second Amendment, having that threat of force tucked in your pocket. That is what keeps things honest. And if, uh, you know, if someone's got the if someone's got the, you know, the, the gall to, to throw the first punch, you can guarantee other people are going to jump on. I, I know um, what you said earlier about, uh, well, I tried, I tried, believe it or not, people may not agree with me, but maybe we have a different definition of this, but I try not to get too political with the show, right? Uh, but when I do, I, I try to be as balanced as possible. And I, I just want to kind of come back with you, you know, and I want, I want your opinion on this. I come from the view that I think that there are Democrat and Republican that do not have the best interests of this country in mind. I'm not a fan of politicians and I'm not a fan of politics in the sense that I don't think many of them have the greatest uh, intentions for us. And I think that's part of the great setup here. I really do. I think that we we are so prone to identifying the good guy and the bad guy that I think subconsciously we 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 do that and we don't ever really look at the fact that we're probably surrounded by the bad guy on all sides. What do you think about that? No, I absolutely agree and and when I single out the left, it's only because the left is outwardly talking about socialism, communism. The issue with the right is that they secretly will sell us out to make them money, but yes. they're, they're just as responsible for crippling us to where, you know, China owns us, which gives China more of an interest to come in here. Because essentially, if, if China invaded us, they would almost be collecting their debt. You know, they have so much interest on American soil. We owe them so much money that, it, you know, it's almost like their repo in their truck. You know what I mean? It's like we're getting our assets back. So it's almost warranted. And that's because we play the politics game where it's how much money can I make for me and my little side company versus what can I do to make this country so strong and so great, even at the expense of myself? And that's the yeah. problem on both sides. Politicians as a whole are, are just disgusting human beings. And, and we've yeah. even seen, you know, Idaho's got some good ones. But we've even seen people change. Um, I mean, they flip real quick because they, you know, we might get someone in who's new, right? And they're they're sharing that same opinion as me. But then they get into the mix and they just get bombarded by all the old wolves. And then all of a sudden they're corrupted, and it's like, hey, just play along. Yeah, I'm looking at a picture right now of uh, David Rockefeller. You said old wolf. I'm like, ugh, you look like more like an old zombie. Dude's ancient, dead now. But uh, you know. One of the things that I'll bring up here real quick is that the Washington Post, I believe is the Washington Post, uh, was for sale several times. And um, for as much as people complain about, you know, the left agenda in social media and the news outlets and things like that, it's because the left has bought the media and the money's still green for the right. I just think that the the right decided to hold on to their money and hoard it for themselves instead of investing it in the media and things like that. And therefore, you have a lopsided media. That's where I think it comes from. But, um, you know, 
listen, man, we're kind of getting off track here. So I want to kind of reel back. <laughs> sometimes I feel like uh, with certain people like you, I just want to talk to you like we're talking on the phone and nobody's listening. So, <laughs> but, um, you know, with the whole survival thing, and we're, I guess we're not kind of getting too far off track here. Uh, with, with the whole survival thing, though, we're looking at a transition, right? And so if, if we see the UN or something like that happen where they come in, I think personally that we're going to see a lot of people, uh, for the lack of better terms, head for the hills. And you're going to see people retreat and run. And I think you're going to have to have people who understand how to live uh, very minimally. And even, I hate to say it, but off the land, you know, like you're out there, you're, you're trying to get away from these, you know, invaders and you got to survive. Yeah. You got to survive out there. Uh, you got to know how to pitch a tent. You got to know how to, you know, start a fire, have some flint and steel on hand so that you can, you know, start those fires. And so do you, I, I'm not sure if you have any background in this kind of stuff, but do you have any suggestions for people as if, uh, if they had to get out and dodge and they needed a bug out bag, is there anything that you would suggest for them to have? Okay. So here's, here's what I'm going to say on it. Cause, cause I don't, we didn't get off track. We just laid the ground rules, right? So with that in mind, if, if we did have the United Nations jump in here, and you are talking about people heading for the hills, okay, you really got to think of the reality of this. And, and keep in mind, for one, I've grown up hunting, camping, fishing in the, the Northwest, okay, some in some of the harshest climate, uh, biggest expansions of land that you can possibly find on the map. It's not easy to go into the world and just survive in the woods. Even if you've got a bag full of tricks, there are people who are skilled, who have had to call it quits or tap out or were humbled because they realize it's not as easy as we think it is while we're sitting on the couch or we're watching the show saying, I can do that. Sometimes you go fishing and you don't catch anything, you know, and and you're, you might be aware of that, but then you go home and you get yourself a sandwich or a burger and you call it a day. But you got you to gotta think of the, the, the mental side of that. When you're out, you know, let's say you challenge yourself to go out and feed yourself. When you're out and you're like, okay, I'm going to fish, and you get nothing from fishing, you don't just get to go to the fridge and get something to eat. You are dealing with the aches and pains of just missing one meal. Then you're dealing with the mindset of, okay, I'm, I'm now hungry and there's nothing I can do about it. Most people die from panic versus anything else because what happens is, is they start making irrational decisions instead of keeping themselves alive. So there's a mental game that the majority of people aren't aware of. Uh, they've never experienced it. And so the idea that you're going to go into the woods and all of a sudden you're going to excel at something you've never done before is a very romantic notion that'll probably get 99% of the people killed. And, and whenever I say this, there's always those people who are like, Oh, I've hunted and fished and, and this and that. And it's like, well, have you ever challenged yourself? Have you ever gone out and tried to actually live off your environment in that area? You'll, you'll spend the majority of the day looking for stuff to eat, but you're not realizing that you're spending all that time looking for it just to eat a little bit, but you're burning the calories you're looking for. So you really have to be skilled in it. I mean, you, you have to be the best of the best to be able to do it. So the idea of, you know, living off the land for most people will not happen. I live off grid and I farm and there is so much of, you know, the grid 
there's so much of the grid that we do rely on in six years in, you know, we're still working out those kinks and trying to figure out how to minimize it and scale it down to where we truly could live if society was to go away. And, you know, after six years of living off the grid, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say, we're going to be fine. And you're all going to die. I'm, I'm sitting here saying we would struggle just the same. And, you know, we've been living this life day in and day out for over half a decade. So this is my, this is my, uh, advice to you guys. This is my solution, uh, inside the, the community, uh, of the three percenters. Okay. We talk about small teams. Okay. Small teams wins the day. That is kind of the moniker that is repeated over and over. Small teams wins the day. You need to, you need to have a group of people around you, a small group of like a five man team, right? That five man team is going to have the infrastructure of their family around them. But you basically need to have a five man team of people that you trust 100% can rely on. uh, and, And you should be building skills with those people. Okay. If you were to go into the woods, one person, one family, and you were to run into, let's say, a horde of 20 people, in an, in an apocalyptic world or a world at war, there's a good chance you lose every item on you, including possibly your life, right? So if the whole world becomes this Armageddon or this, this apocalyptic world where we're being invaded and the rule of law is gone, you know, it's, it's OTSS, only the strong survive. You know, it's now wolf and, and, and rabbit, you know, predator prey. You have to be at the top of that predator or prey, or you need to have a group of people who can keep you safe as well. So that's what I would tell everyone right now. And, and, I, and I can't stress enough how much, if you're not doing it now, you are absolutely behind because there's people who have been doing it for decades. There's people who have been doing it for years. There's people who have been doing it for months. So if you're starting today, you're not, you're not even on day one right? Day one's not even in the bag. So you, you've got to find those people and you've got to start taking it serious because if you look at the footsteps that we're going on, if you look at the path, like you were saying, we're on a path to either, you know, I think you said two points, right? We're either going to change incredibly or we're going to stay the same. Yeah. Um, there's, there's kind of three points, right? Like we could regress and then, or we could, you know, get into a little scuffle and then all of a sudden everything goes back to the way it was. Or, we could lose the battle and we are now this communist socialist program, which we will most likely never get back. Or I think that there's this third angle where we could potentially go back to as free as we were in the days of our forefathers, where we are tired of playing this PC game of let's keep everybody happy and actually let socialists run and stand on socialist principles there could be this time where we say, all right, that's it. You know, from now on, we're ruling with an iron fist. Uh, and, and I'm kind of hoping for that one, because I think we need to stop letting people tear us apart from within, which means we need to show a little more strength um, and not allow the wolf through the door and then try to figure out how to get him out. I'm you so know, offended. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is. It's it's the problem that's got us where we are, and, and and unfortunately, we we respect everyone's opinion, and even if that opinion is is like, uh, well, I want to destroy everything you've built. It's like, okay, well, we'll let you come play, 
we're normally be like, oh, you want to destroy what we're doing? Okay, we don't want anything to do with you. But we're not allowed to do that in this country because we might offend people. But it would have solved our problem had we said, you know, hey, here's the Constitution. And the moment you speak out against it, uh, we do away with you. I don't know. Is that the right thing? Is that the wrong thing? Is Chaz the right thing? Are they on to the right thing in Seattle? I don't know, man. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, listen, I don't think Chaz is the right thing. But listen, man. I think that we're in a situation, man, where things are definitely hitting a boiling point. And I think uh, we're all going to be in for a rude awakening one way or another. And, uh, you know, who knows what's going to happen? Who knows what's going to happen? So here's the thing. Uh, A dystopian society is a society where such things do happen. When you live in a dystopian society, everything has a system. Everything has its place. And when something Whatever it is, whether it's a human or a thing, it when it expires, when it no longer has its use in that dystopian society, it is axed. It is gone. That's it. No, there. It's like it's almost like a robotic kind of thing. It's like you're done. You're too old. We unhook you. That's it. And so, uh, it's scary. And we're we're living in a time where we're going towards um, some very scary things. And so uh, I think it's important to have some scary conversations at times. Uh, but I do want to lighten it up a little bit. And uh, I want to give you an opportunity to talk Bigfoot to me. I hear you have some stuff going on <laughs> in the property. <laughs> That's like night and day. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, man. We, so we've had a couple. Oh, so I got to tell you, we, we did the liberate America event up here in Idaho yesterday. And yeah. and there's a woman who I believe has sent you audio and has talked to you and, and watches your show. She should be listening to oh, this one as well. Okay. Um, but I met up with her yesterday. She's a local out here too. And she's actually sent me some of the audio and it's pretty, uh, it's some pretty eerie stuff, but I ran into her yesterday and I was telling her how I was going to do, do the show. Um, and she's like, yeah, I, oh, I, I love his show. So, uh, I had to, I had to let you know that, uh, as far as on our property, you know, we've had a couple of different occurrences out here. We've had, um, you know, I, I've got a video where you can see something moving. It moves behind me in, in the video. I can hear it. And there's a point where I, I kind of look for an extended period of time to my left because I had heard wrestling in the bushes. And this was, this was after a a time where our goat had just been killed by something. And we had a professional trapper come in because if it was a cougar, you know, you want to get rid of them quick. And if it was a bear, uh, sometimes we get grizzlies in this area. And so they, you know, you got to get that relocated or they'll just continue to come back. Uh, Same with the cougar, you know, you got to get them relocated. Otherwise, you know, they found the supermarket. So the, the trapper had just left. So I took people up to show them the trap, uh, right where the goat is, is killed. Uh, the goat is the bait. It's still laying there. Um, and as I'm walking out, you know, I hear something to my left and I, and I just, I look out there for an extended period of time. Cause I just couldn't identify what the sound was. Um, and right as I'm looking away, you can just kind of see under the bill of my hat, you see something sort of move through the grass and, um, after going and looking at it afterwards and stuff the the grass is something like three feet tall back there. So a lot of people were like, Oh, it's a bear. But if it was a bear, you know, the back would almost be covered up by the grass and whatever this thing is, is extremely tall and then kind of moves at an angle. So 
uh, I don't know. Go check out the video. Let me know what you think. Uh, it was extremely weird experience. Uh, around that time, we had a couple more experiences with, uh, footprints. We, I found some tracks in the snow. Um, I've actually found a couple sets of tracks in the snow, but this one specifically I was following and showing you, I was trying to match it with my stride. Um, and I couldn't even come close to matching it. I think at one point the strides were hitting like over 10 feet or around the 10 foot range when it kind of went through like an open area. And, uh, and in one of the prints, you know, I did my best to show it on the camera, but you could make out essentially a, a bare foot. It was, you could see the toes, no problem. Uh, it was pretty, it's pretty crazy. Right. So even after all this stuff happens on my property, I'm still like, God, I just, I have to see it to 100% believe it. But I can tell you that with the, with what I know about the wildlife and tracks and animals and stuff in this area. And the fact that I know that no, no human could be out here, uh, traipsing through that deep of snow, you know, I was in snowshoes at the time, uh, could be, um, creating strides like that. Uh, barefooted in the snow it's just it wouldn't be humanly possible so just different yeah different uh different things man we've had uh we've had our our uh our fire pit was destroyed one night and then the next morning i found a couple of prints in the mud uh really close to our house it led to the dogs freaking out and barking like crazy um, but there was a big track and a little track and the big, the big track was big, clear as day, a full footprint. And the little track was like a little half footprint. Um, I don't know, you know, everyone gives me their, their theory on what it is, you know, whether it's a, a mom and her baby or, uh, I don't know. It's kind of creepy. It's kind of one of those things where we're just like, uh, we're just kind of at peace with it. And it's like, okay, we just, if we exist on this property together, then I think it's cool. You know, and that, that seems to, I don't know, man, it's like, you're trying to navigate something you don't even understand. And then no one's a professional on, you know, everyone just tells me like, well, if you just leave them alone, they'll leave you alone. And that's kind of what we've done. And it's been a, a peaceful cohabitation out here. Well, that's interesting, but I want to say if you're in denial that you have Bigfoot on your property. It's literally because you're in denial because you're not facing the truth, my man. Listen, I saw those videos and and I saw the grass and I saw how big that thing was in the background that you showed. Listen, I don't know what that could have been. We know it wasn't a cougar. We know it wasn't a bear. The only thing I can say is that was Bigfoot, my man. And you're not some short guy either. You're what? Six, I think four, right? No, six, seven, six, seven. That's right. I wanted to say six, seven too. Yeah. You're a giant yourself. Like you're literally a Bigfoot. So I mean, dude, like seriously, I don't know how, listen, everybody's different, right? But if I had what you had on my property, I wouldn't be doubting it at all. And I don't know if I'd be in the same mindset as you either. Like the idea of just existing, it is what it is. Ah, man. I'd have a hard time with that, but what are you going to do? I mean, it's not like you're going to chase it off the property, you know? I mean, if you did, if it's not like you can catch it and release it somewhere else, right? Nobody can catch these things, right? And uh, it's not like you can tell it to go anywhere. I mean, it's going to go where it wants to go. These things are huge. Right. Yeah. No, I know, man. And like the rational side of me is like, absolutely nothing can create a footprint, a human footprint that large in the snow. Like, I know what the alternative is, right? But I'm like, 
I'm like, I have to see it. I have to see one of those footprints and then the legs standing out of it and the body. Like, you know, I'd, I have to see it to be like, okay, 100%, right? But I know that it's totally unexplainable other than Bigfoot is the answer. And then you and I had actually, we talked about this afterwards and you had actually said, because uh, I was like, yeah, you know, it's cool, peaceful existence. And you had made the comment like, yeah, dude, I don't think they're, they're peaceful creatures, right? Like yeah. it's not a safe, tell me, tell me, tell me your thoughts on that. Well, I, I'm not shy. So the Bigfoot world community, which, you know, obviously I have a little bit of a tie to because of what I do with the show. Um, they, there's a lot of hostility towards this topic, but uh, I'm not a fan of Bigfoot in the sense that I don't think they're just these, you know, hippie creatures, you know, galloping around the woods wanting to hold your hand. And uh, some people, they think that they can just, you know, these things are peaceful. They they don't even call them things or monsters or Bigfoot. They call them tree people or forest people. Uh, yeah. I, I don't think highly of these things, man. I've heard stories, uh, bad, bad stories from these things. And when you look back at the historical records of these things back in history, uh, I, I have a friend, um, his name's Timothy Renner. He has a strange, has a podcast called strange familiars and he's written several books where he actually goes back through the old articles and finds, you know, in history, like the 1800s, uh, these things popping up. And a lot of times they were called the hairy man and, you know, the townspeople were hunting these things down because of what they did and stuff, uh, acting aggressive towards women and children. And so I, I just don't have much favor towards them. I don't think that they're all out to, to hurt you, but I think if one got a bug up their ass, you're, you got a real problem on your hand. And so, uh, and, and I don't think it takes that much either. I mean, if they view something that you're doing is operating in their territory, they're going to let you know, they're going to freaking let you know. And so, uh, understanding how these things operate is, I guess, a, a huge part, but nobody really knows how they operate and how, what really makes them tick. Um, but yeah, man, do you, ha I know you have kids. Do you have any sons? Yeah, I've got two. How old are they? Uh, my boy's getting ready to turn 12 here at the end of the month. And then my, uh, my, my youngest one that's 10 months is a boy as well. Okay. So, uh, listen, I think that the idea of Bigfoot being on the property is going to be very appealing to your boys if they don't already know. And, uh, I think that especially the one that's a little older, I think when he becomes a young teenager and stuff, man, I think that's some dad, dad, son time that you can go out there and, and listen, I, I don't know what your lifestyle is. You know, like I know you're off grid, so you got a lot of work to do. But if you can carve out time where you can just maybe spend some nights and stuff with your kid, you know, do some bonding and stuff out in the property, but you're also kind of like seeing what's up. I mean, go to the area where you saw it on the video, go to the area where you found the tracks. I mean, maybe the tracks that you found in the snow is a typical pathway that they kind of walk in that general area. Put yourself in a situation where maybe you could see it so that you confirm, so you can confirm it to yourself, but also it'd be fun to, you know, do something like that with the kid and get him all excited about monsters. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So all, all the kids are, um, they're all aware of it. You know, we don't really keep anything from our kids. So they're all aware of it. And it's actually my youngest, uh, my youngest daughter, who's like, let's go dad, <laughs> you know, like, let's go after him. And there's, there was, uh, one of the videos where we went in, her and I went in and we snowshoed after him, you know, cause she, she wanted to go. And, you know, a lot of people were giving me, uh, giving me hell about taking her and, it's like, oh, it's a dangerous situation, you know? And for one, they didn't realize, like, I've got a hand cannon strapped to my chest. You just couldn't see it in the video. 
Um, but for two, you know, we, we live out here and we live with bears and we live with moose and we live with elk and, and, and those three animals could kill you potentially. Um, you know, we have wolves around here. We have cougars. All these animals can take your life in the right circumstance, you know, in the way you were describing, um, Bigfoot is a lot like black bears, you know, black bears are kind of, a lot of people look at them as like this fuzzy, gentle animal. And there's, you know, some people who can, you know, kind of develop a relationship with a bear that's on a friendly manner. But at the same time, we've seen where those relationships have just all of a sudden snapped and then bam, you're attacked and dead from a bear. Right. So it's kind of it's kind of um, the way you described it just struck me as like, you know, that's that's very bear like bears seem cuddly. They seem friendly at times and slow moving. Um, so they're less threatening, but a bear will kill you and especially a black bear. So, you know, it's kind of one of those things where you exist with the animals, you understand what triggers them, you understand, you know, to, to make noise so that you're not startling them. And a lot of times it's the startle that creates an attack or like with cougars, it's the, um, the chase, you know, a lot of times people on bikes moving down trails, they trigger that chase mentality in a cat and then that cat will attack people uh running trails you know um so it's just a matter of teaching them how to exist and understand how to not get eaten by the wildlife in the area yeah i i get it man like and that's another thing is i i don't think that you're necessarily putting your daughter in you know absolute danger kind of thing where people because i know what you're talking about people probably went ballistic on you over that and here's the thing one you do live out there and two it's literally like if you go with that mindset, then you should never let your children ever go into the woods ever because these things are reported everywhere. And not one time have we right. ever been able to truly catch these things to the sense of, you know, to proving they exist, which is the freaking crazy, mysterious part about it. And so, uh, dude, man, listen, I really appreciate you coming on the show and I appreciate you sharing your insight as to, you know, your experiences in life and how that could lead to helping other people uh, prepare for the idea of, you know, quote unquote, heading for the hills and and uh, trying to survive the process of what we're on right now, which is, I think, heading towards a dystopia. So, uh, man, I appreciate you coming on. Absolutely, man. And not to dishearten people, my, my main, uh, I guess my main message is you have to practice it if you want to be good at it. So, uh, if you're, if it's in your head that you are, you have a bug out plan, uh, practice it, get good at it. So it's not like you're learning it in the moment. It's something that you've done before, but I appreciate it, man. I I love, (laughs) I love your show. I love listening to you. I love your topics and stuff. So to get to be able to participate in it is uh, very cool. And I could definitely talk conspiracy with you uh, any day of the week. (laughs) Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So before we get out of here, just tell people where they can find you again. I want people to go and subscribe to your channel. Uh, North Country Off Grid, guys. And we we did hit the big 100K uh, just recently, which is pretty cool. We've got a big announcement coming up that we're putting in the works. So if you guys want to know what that is, come over, hit the subscribe button. Well, that's the show, everybody. I really hope you gained something from it. I want you to know that this is a show that I did not take lightly and I did not put out very easily. I struggled back and forth, back and forth, whether I was actually going to release this show. 
I don't like saying things that offend people, and I don't like saying things that upset people. I don't like upsetting people, especially those who take the time to listen to what my show is all about. When I started this show, I always described it as a paranormal and conspiracy show. And we always touched on conspiracies when I felt they were relevant or convenient to talk about. And recently, we're living in a conspiracy, friends. And I don't think I'd be doing my job if I didn't talk to you about it. If I didn't talk to you about everything that I have been seeing giving you the opportunity to consume information you're not going to hear on the mainstream media and let you think for yourself and make a decision what you're going to believe, not what you're going to be told to believe. If you don't believe me, I'm fine with that. If you made it this far, you heard my spiel. And you can make up your own mind. And I'm good with that. I understand that people draw pictures in their mind as to how and who they think I am and operate. I've gotten used to that idea that people will say things to me assuming that they know me, assuming certain things about me because they listen to this show of an hour to an hour and a half a week. I just want to share something with you all so you maybe have an insight as to where I'm coming from when it comes to the struggle that I'm in to say certain things or not say certain things. I've mentioned it before on the show, and it's true. Once upon a time, I said something on this show that triggered people all over the place. I forget what I said, but I remember getting emails from people telling me that I'm a Hillary-loving supporter and that I'm a Donald Trump-voting supporter off the same comment. Now, it makes you scratch your head initially and say, how does that work? But then I step back and I think about it and I wear it as a badge of honor because I say things that people don't know how to define. And I'm proud of that. A couple weeks ago, I shared one of my experiences with police brutality with me and my friends when we were in college. Though it wasn't a violent situation, It was absolutely a profiling situation and it woke me up to the reality of what this world is all about and that there are absolutely injustices happening to people groups every day in this country. And after I aired that, I got an email from an older man who will remain nameless, but he essentially told me that black people aren't as good and nice as I think they are but he's not racist because he knows a black person. It was much more wordy than that, but that was the gist of the email. And then this past week, I retweeted a statistic on Twitter, on my personal account, that said 18.6% of real estate in Minneapolis went up for sale in the last seven days. And I retweeted it. And I said I would roll also. That's what I said. I would roll also. And I mean it. If Philadelphia got rid of their police, I would head out of town. I would not stick around for that party. But somebody got upset by it. And they DM'd me, all offended, 
I blocked him. He emailed me and basically told me that I don't know what I'm talking about and basically told me that my show sucks. He doesn't listen to my show anymore. And I don't know what I'm talking about when it comes to what's going on in the world. That black lives matter. And I must have it real cushy where I'm at in my white skin. Clearly, he doesn't listen to the show. I'm half Puerto Rican. I spent about 10 to 12 years of my childhood, almost every day, getting my butt handed to me because I was brown. So, in one week, I was told I love black people too much and that I don't love black people enough and that I'm a racist for saying that I'd head out of town if the police were gone. That's kind of how it is for me sitting here getting ready to put out this show. I'm going to get emails and comments of the like. I know I am. And it's disheartening. Because I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. But I also don't feel like I'd be doing anybody justice if I don't speak up and say things in a time where everybody's scared to say things. You know, a long time ago, there were people who laid down their lives so that future generations, who they would never get a chance to meet, who would never know their name, would inherit freedoms that they were willing to die for. And I believe we are in a time where we need to make some tough decisions and possibly do very similar type things so that our children's children's children, future lineages who will never know who we are, who will never know who Tony Merkel is, will inherit the freedoms that I inherited. I love you all. I really do. And though I know some will be upset by this show, I hope others will find it beneficial, encouraging, and eye-opening. Until next week, friends, the truth will set you free. But first, it'll piss you off. Ladies and gentlemen, good afternoon from the flight deck. We're cruising at 37,000 feet. We just passed over the coast. We'll be beginning our descent in about uh, 30 minutes. I'd like to take this opportunity to welcome you to America. Yeah. Uh, uh, I was made in America, land of the free, home of the brave And right up under your nose, you might see a sex slave being traded And we'll do anything for the money, boy, mama might sell her baits Sell porn, sell pills, anything to pay the bills, anything to bring that pay Gotta scratch that itch, gotta scratch them ticks, ain't rich, but I might be And I'ma shoot these flicks, I'ma turn these tricks, anything for a slight fee Yeah, made in America, mama told me that I belong here had to earn our stripes, had to learn our rights, had to fight for a home here. But I wouldn't know a thing about that. All I know is drugs and rap. I probably could have been some kind of doctor instead of holding guns and crap. I was born in the mainland. Great grandpa from a strange land. He was stripped away and given bricks to lay. I guess you could say he a slave hand. But I was made in America. So I don't know a thing about that. All I know is Uncle Sam looking for me, working on his corner, so I know I gotta pay tax. Getting paid in America. I was raised in America And this is all I ever known If I'm wrong then you better come save me America
Welcome to America. 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 Man, I die for America. I served my time for America. Got shot, shot back, went to war, got back, and ain't nobody give a jack in America. I could have lost my life, why I lost my wife? I can't even get right in my homeland. Cold sweats, whole text, paranoid, looking out for a threat in my own land. I was trained in America. How they get up in the planes in America? Flew right into the buildings, taking out the buildings. People getting killed in America. And I'm still in America. No, America ain't feeling me. I went to war for this country. Turn around, came home, and you grinning me? When y'all free here, saying you don't wanna be here, well you probably couldn't breathe here if I didn't load a couple magazines here. Y'all just complaining America, I'm jumping out of military planes from America. Hey, I was made in America, that's why I'm out here saving America. I got a brother in the cemetery now 'cause he wanted y'all safe, and everybody wants the freedom but nobody wanna hear about faith. We bled for America to keep y'all fed in America. But what's the point of talking? A lot of y'all don't really even care, America. Welcome to 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 America. I wish I lived in America. Wanna raise my kids in America. Heard everybody rich. All I gotta do is run, jump, kick. I'm a hit in your area. So please pick me, America. I know you probably never loved me. You never hear about me on the news, and you probably never been to my country. I hear you selling education and got clothes that you throw away. Got plenty food in your nation. I can tell 'cause a lot of y'all are overweight. I already work for y'all. I'm in the sweatshops making these shirts for y'all. Now I ain't getting money. Go to bed hungry, but I make some exports for y'all. Y'all don't know a thing about that. You was made in America. I'm trying to find me a ticket where the sky is the limit. Catch a plane to America. It should be plane to America. Y'all blessing you got it made. Heard y'all don't pray no more. Y'all ain't say no more. Y'all looking for another way. Well, I hope it ain't true, but I'm packing my suit. Farewell to my motherland. Said bye to my loved ones. Fate, here I come. I'm going to another land. I done made it to America. I'm amazed at America, but I couldn't get approval to stay, so they sent me away from America.